And if you have your Bible, if you have your Bible today, I want you to go ahead and uh, turn to Second uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter one. All right, let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we thank you that's alive and powerful and sharper than your two-edged sword. Father, we thank you, God, that you desire to breathe fresh life in us today. And, Lord, that you desire for us to walk and live in greater revelation, God, of who you are and who you are in us. And so, Father, we just open our hearts up wide. We open our spiritual ears. Father, we thank you that we are hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. So, Father, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do best, and that's to teach and to guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, last week uh, we talked about, or we started by basically uh, talking about a list of fears that many people struggle with. Some of those things was uh, a fear of rejection, is a fear of failure, a fear of not measuring God. There's also people who struggle with a fear of uh, missing the will of God. And, and we said we said that all those fears in that entire list, that all of them had one thing in common. And it comes down to this. It comes down to the unknowns of our life. And somebody said the unknowns. In other words, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Therefore, it provides opportunity for fear to grip our hearts. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I personally found out that it's in the unknowns of my life that the devil comes and tries his absolute best to get me to believe a lie. And that lie is simply this. And I know there's many, but one of the main ones is this, is that God doesn't care. And, and basically how it comes about is this, is that the devil comes and he whispers uh, something like this to us, basically that if God really cared about you, then so and so wouldn't happen. Anybody ever heard something like that before? Come on, talk to me today. The funny part is to me is that so and so hasn't even happened yet. You understand that because we are so concerned about the unknown because we're so concerned about the future. He comes and basically gives us this scenario and it's, and it's maybe the best way I can describe it. It's almost like he becomes the writer and the direct and the director of the movie of our life. Right. And so what happens is, is he comes and he slides us the script like we're the actor and we start reading the script like that's the way we got to live. Right. How do we do that? Come on. This is really simple. Have you ever just sat there before? And for some reason, you don't know why, but you keep playing out this outcome in your mind and you keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. It goes over and over and over. And it gets to the point where you where you literally almost uh, begin to act like it's already happened. And here's how we kind of act like it's already happened is because we end up making false assumptions or false conclusions or false judgment on what God's character is really like. Right. So and so is going to happen. So and so hasn't happened. But we somehow in our craziness go, you know what, God, you're not this. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Listen, but the truth is, we said this last week, just kind of recapping a few things, that God's word tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, that he cares deeply about us. Amen. So we, we get the fact from Genesis Revelation, there's this common theme. God loves you. God values you. And you matter to him that he is very interested in you. And so since we somebody say that's us, since we are called to be people of the word and not people of our emotions, Right. We need to remember to put our faith in that truth and not how we feel in on any certain day. Truth, because here's the thing. We, you wake up and you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You're just not feeling right today. Anybody ever had that day? And for some reasons, your emotions say, you know, God really doesn't love you. 
Right. Somebody comes and they say something, they say something to you, maybe you're late, whatever. There's a whole thousand scenarios there. But somehow at the end of the day, if you let your emotions run your life, then you will end up in a ditch somewhere. Amen. So we don't put our faith in emotions. We put our faith in God's word because God's word doesn't change. Emotions do. Yes. So when we put our faith in God's word, it actually gives us the ability to overcome the lies of the enemy. Now, we've all had those moments where we where we hooked line the sinker and went with the lie. We've all had those times where we stood our ground at fault and we somehow beat the lie of the enemy. Right. Yes. All right. So this morning, I want to share a few more thoughts with you uh, along those lines. And the hope is simply this, is that you'll leave this place a little bit more encouraged and a little bit more equipped to be able to uh, overcome fear. So by doing this, I want to talk about a young man named Timothy. So if you're there in Second Timothy one, say, oh, yeah. Let's start off in verse one. We're going to go through verse six. It says this. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. In other words, he's saying, hey, here's the guy that's writing the book. It says, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse two says to Timothy, a beloved what? A beloved son. It says grace, mercy and peace from God, the father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, watch this. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. I love that verse. And then it says in verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I want you to notice a few things here. We're going to be fast this morning. The first thing is this, is that Timothy's spiritual father is the Apostle Paul. I don't know about you, but I just go, wow. How amazing would that be? You know, listen, I have met some pretty amazing men of God. I have. But nobody, none of those men wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. You, you follow me? None of them have ever come close to accomplishing the amount that Apostle Paul accomplished during his time on this earth. But here's Timothy. He has the ability to go, that's my spiritual dad. And what makes it so powerful is we know that uh, his dad was Greek and his dad was an unbeliever. So for a man to come along uh, alongside of him that was a man of God, throw his arm around him and say, I'm going to be your dad. This is pretty awesome. And, and you know, there, there's such a there's such a. Um, through the Bible, you see such a closeness between these two. In fact, let me say it this way. Have you ever heard the, uh, the old saying, and I may say it wrong, but uh, like father, like son? Have you ever heard that? In other words, a, a kid does something. There's so much like his dad. We go, man, it's just like his daddy. You, you know, that's what Paul was referring to in 1 Corinthians 4:17 when he said this. Uh, speaking of Timothy, he said, he will remind you of my ways. That that's how close that they were. So here's the Apostle Paul, and I know this may sound cheesy, but the Apostle Paul is personally praying for this guy. That's pretty cool, huh? Yes? So he, and not only is he praying for him, but he's longing to spend time with him. And, and then, you know, here's Paul in this portion of Scripture. He's actually commending Timothy on his spiritual heritage. In other words, he's saying, you know what, there's something there that's good. He's speaking of his, uh, just of his roots, man, that there's quality there. It's something that he received from his mother and he received from his grandmother. And then Paul goes, uh, he says this, look, look, son, I recognize that you're a person of genuine faith. What a compliment, huh? Once again, for the Apostle Paul, if, you, if you've read his writings, if here's a man who has spoke about faith so eloquently, and he's saying, you know, you're a guy of genuine faith of all that that I've written. So, great compliment. 
So and then he says this, he says, look, remember, Timothy, you have spiritual gifts and you have a calling that you've received from God. Now, church tradition says this, that Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Okay, so watch this. So I kind of saw this say this. All of that stuff right there seems pretty exciting, doesn't it? Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a geek. I don't know. But all that seems so awesome to me. But the story kind of changes when you find out the circumstance that surrounded Timothy as he tried to work, walk out his calling. OK, because watch this. OK, because you're loose here going, you know, this guy's your spiritual pa. Clearly, you're learning all this from him. You're anointed. You're gifted. The power of God, the favor of God, the influence of God and all that's on you. And you're thinking, man, you're set up for success. Easy. Go get it. Until you take a step back and you study history and you realize the day that Timothy was living in, it wasn't that easy. Now, let me give you real quick a little historical background about the days that Timothy lived in. Okay, if you're with me. So, yeah. So Timothy lived in the days when there was an emperor named Nero. That's the guy that ruled the Roman Empire. Okay, and history shows that Nero, uh, that this man just wasn't right. Truth is, he was a very evil man, and, and he had Christians not just killed, but brutally killed. And, and to give you, and not to, not to sound gross, but I want you to get the context uh, of what's going on here, of what Timothy was facing. This is how, because, because Nero was twisted, literally in his thinking, he would have Christians killed like this, for example. Um, they would have an animal that they killed, and they would skin the animal, and then they would take the skin of that beast or that animal, and then they would wrap it around a Christian and literally sew it onto a Christian's body, and then they would set them out there, and they would loose dogs to go basically go chew them to pieces. That's how that they would get literally dogs to attack them. Am I making sense? Then on other occasions, they would take Christians and they would dip clothes in wax and then they would put the clothes on the Christians. And then they would either nail the Christian to a cross or they would tie them to a pole and then they would basically put them around the city. There's actually pictures of all this stuff and they would light them on fire. And the reason was, is they wanted to have light to basically for their city during the nighttime hours. So he basically took Christians, once again, people that he hated, and he made them into human candles. Are you following me? Kind of puts things in perspective because we go, you know, they're mocking me. We ain't seen nothing. Are you following me? So, so here's this guy. Not only does, you know, does he do these awful things, but then he takes, uh, you know, basically he would kill Christians by shooting them with arrows. And, and then we know probably the more, um, well-known way is he would throw them in the arena and, uh, lions and other wild beasts would kill them and everybody kind of watched and cheered, uh, kind of like it was a sport. So, there's several men that are actually mentioned in the Bible or mentioned in the New Testament that were killed during this time. Two of them that are very well known that all of us would know would be the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. They were both killed under Nero's reign. OK, so let's take a step back and let's think about this for a second. So it's true. Timothy is the spiritual son. Of the Apostle Paul It's true that he has genuine faith. That he's gifted, called, anointed by God. But it still didn't change the fact that this evil man Nero was still on the hunt. Are you hearing me today? So I don't, you know, we, we don't know for sure, but I would, I believe it's safe to say that Nero probably had uh, people killed that Timothy personally knew. I think there's a good chance because of the amount of Christians that they killed. You've got to understand, once again, biblical history, these people were tight, right? There was such a community that he, he personally knew people that were the human candle, the people that dogs killed or whatever. You kind of named the story. They maybe uh, were his friends. There was a possibility that they were even people of his congregation. And, and so here he is. 
He's thinking about all that. And then to top it off, here's his spiritual dad actually writing this letter from Nero's prison. So his own, his own, his own spiritual dad is personally in chains because of this evil man. And we know later he would be killed by that man. Okay. So I think it's easy to say or kind of say it this way. I said all that. That in spite of all the good stuff that was happening for Timothy, it's very understandable why he would be paralyzed by fear. Yes? So, so, and you know, to think about, and I'm not trying to belittle where we're at by any means, but the truth is, is that we all recognize what God's doing in us, and we're all wanting to step out into something, but there's fear meeting us at the door that's trying to keep us from fulfilling that. Yes? So, I want to just really go here today. I want to talk about how Paul encouraged Timothy to continue in his calling and to combat the thoughts of fear that he was surely having. So look at that next verse and uh, verse seven. It's well known. I mentioned it last week, but we're going to sit on one part of it today. OK, so second Timothy one seven. Now, remember, this is Paul's uh, this is Paul's last letter that he ever wrote. OK, so if you ever want to know. Kind of through history, this is the last letter Paul wrote. And even if you read, and I would encourage you to, uh, if you go read uh, 2 Timothy sometime, you'll find portions in there where he knew he was about to die. And, and basically he came to grips with that, and he knew that either in life or death he was going to glorify God. But you find that in there, okay? So, once again, he's writing this from Nero's prisons. He's in chains. And to maybe, maybe let me even say this just for understanding's sake. Paul was in prison two different times. The first time he was in prison, it was more like house arrest. Okay, he was there. He was people could come and go. They could see him. Uh, they could bring him things freely and all those things. There was such a freedom. They just basically he was free to do whatever he wanted to. He just had certain boundaries that he had to live in. Now, fast forward to this time when he's in jail or prison, he's literally chained to the floor. There's guards watching him. He ain't going nowhere. Stuff's not coming in. It's a, it's a dungeon. It's basically, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at pictures from back then, but basically it's in the middle of a rock wall just laying on the ground, okay? And somehow he wrote this, and somehow, I, I think even maybe I should say this, that somehow even in there he found out what state that Timothy was in. Right. And I think that's the part where he said, look, I with tears, I long to be with you. In other words, he because he, he loved him so much. He knew that, man, here's all this great stuff in him. And he's not he's not living up to his potential. Are, are you following me? OK, so he goes on. He says this Second Timothy one seven. He says, for God is not given. What's that next word? For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He could have easily said, Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But he said, Timothy, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. In other words, I think Paul was saying, Timothy, I know the thoughts that you're thinking right now because I've thought them too. Yes. In other words, it's real. He understood. But here's what's so amazing is this. Timothy, God has not given a spirit of fear. He didn't give us that. I know those thoughts, but they're not from God. But let me tell you what is from God. Watch this next part. He says, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power. Can we say that like we mean it? Say power. But God has given a spirit of power. It's like he's echoing to this boy. Greater is he that is in you than he is in this world. Miss Vicky said it earlier. Greater is he that's in you. In other words, I understand that that Nero is, is basically uh, this evil man. But greater is the one that's in you than the demonic spirit that's motivating that man. Amen. And then he says, so he said, but of power and of love, once again, coming back to it, perfect love, son, cast out all 
fear. Once again, remember that God loves you. Yes. So on one side, he's saying, look, that there's the power of God, that God's given you authority. God's given you, uh, you know, power in the name of Jesus and all these things that come with just uh, understanding who we are in Christ. And then the other side is, guess what? The love of God is still in you. Yes. And then he goes on and says this last part. It's really the part I want to focus on today. But he says this, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So I want to focus on those last two words, sound mind. Here's what they mean. It means a mind that is saved, a mind that has safe thinking, a mind that has good judgment, a mind. This is my favorite one, a mind that has disciplined thought patterns. I'll read this again. It's a mind that is delivered, a mind that is rescued, a mind that is revived and a mind that is protected. So once again, he's saying, Timothy, God has given you a mind that's saved. You have safe thinking. You have good judgment. You have disciplined thought patterns. You've been delivered. You've been rescued. You've been revived and protected. Because watch this. So you can kind of get the scenario. In my mind, I just picture Timothy sitting at home burning with the gospel. You with me? Desiring to go do great things for God. But it's this fear that realizes that if he walks out that door, if he makes one wrong move, he's dead. And if he slips, guess what? It's not just him, but it's his mother, right? And it's his grandmother. So Lois and Eunice, he, he, you know, he's in his mind, he's thinking, man, I got to not only protect myself, but I need to protect my family. You, you know, just think of the thought. Can you imagine your mom hanging up on the wall there? Are you following me? So, so, and then he's thinking, okay, you know, I don't need, because he's a leader, right? And, and he's not a hireling. He's a shepherd. And a shepherd has concern for the sheep. And he's thinking, man, if I make one wrong move, I could get the people that God's entrusted me with killed. So this man has a lot of reasons to be apprehensive. Okay, so watch this. So now does not mean a mind that saves, safe thinking, good judgment, disciplined thought patterns, delivered, rescued, revived, protected. But it's also this. It is the opposite of a mind that is given to fear, given to panic and given to unreasonable thinking. The word literally describes a mind that is thinking correctly. Because how many of you guys know when you, are, when you are literally paralyzed by fear, you are not thinking correctly? If we, if we stop and just kind of play back through our life and go, how many times have I made a decision in a moment when I was scared out of my mind and later I paid the consequences because I chose the wrong thing? Because, see, fear has the ability to blur your vision, doesn't it? Yes? Once again, it's that, it's, that, it's that idea that fear causes us to shrink back and to protect ourselves instead of just standing boldly and going, you know, God will protect me. Right? So, listen, I have personally have been in all those situations. And either I was dumb or I really understand who, understood who God was. But I have been there that I have walked in places that there is no way that this white boy should have ever been. And you know what? And I stood there strong. Here's the gospel. Totally oblivious to the oblivious to the fact like that I could be gone. Are, are you with me? I remember personally being in New York, and I won't go into the whole thing, but I was in New York City. I was down in Brooklyn, and I was sitting in this 15-passenger van, and we pulled this homeless shelter. And these people literally came out of the homeless shelter and started shaking our van. What did I do? I got out and preached. <laughs> Let's go. You know, and I went and I stood by the door. My, my leader was freaking out because he's like, man, they opened that door and snatched him in there. What am I going to do for him? But I was oblivious. There's a guy there that needed Jesus. Let's go. Are you all following me? 
Yes. So there, there's a way that God will allow you to stand in places and, and literally he just encamps around you with angels and he watches over you. Amen. It's a promise. It's Psalms 91. Yes. So so we don't go with fear. That's just one brief example. OK, so once again, it's the opposite of mind that's given to fear, to panic, to unreasonable thinking. It's a word that describes a mind that is thinking correctly. That's what Paul was saying. Timothy, here's what's available for you. So watch this. So second Timothy could read like this. It could read. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And he has given us a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, protected and brought into a place of safety and security. Watch this. So that it is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded and absurd thoughts. You get that last part? That's no longer affected by illogical, unfounded and absurd thoughts. It, it, it doesn't listen, doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the enemy's not ever going to come and plant thoughts in our mind. He's going to do that. But what it's saying is, is because I have this sound mind, I have the ability to know what's illogical and unfounded and absurd. I just have the ability to discern it. Now, what's illogical, unfounded and absurd? What are those kind of thoughts the devil would have for us to believe? Let's go back. And I know this is so simple, but I keep telling you this for a reason. It's the fact that God loves you. He loves you. That's that's to, to go to go literally that he goes. He comes to time and says, God doesn't love you. That that is illogical and unfounded and absurd to say that God doesn't care about you or that he isn't with you. All of those things need to go out the door. Yes. Amen. So there's that part of even let me say this, because we talked about the fear of the unknown. It's those things in the future. Once again, when I recognize when that when that uh, when that movie starts playing in my head. Instead of believing that, you know, it's almost it's almost like this. Let me give you a more relatable example, kind of along those lines. I cannot tell you how many people that I have argued with in my head. I say, well, <laughs> I have. I mean, we've all done it, right? I know they're going to respond like this. We haven't even had the conversation. And you're, you are, you are basically writing their lines for them. And you know it's all not for your good. And you just get ticked off and you let them have it. <laughs> right? Is it, listen, wouldn't it be scary if we actually spoke to people and open of how we would do in our mind? We wouldn't have any friends. We, listen, we would not be married, right? <laughs> Is that truth? That's truth. Don't act like y'all are holy. All right, it's truth, all right? So <laughs> I'm getting in trouble. All right, here we go. Not me, babe. I was talking about him. I'm talking about Ben. So, all right. So let's ask, let's ask this question. So simple. How in the world is it possible for you and I to have a sound mind? Really simple answer. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Last part, it simply says this, that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. That's the only reason we have a sound mind. In fact, let me say this. That unless someone is born again, because we know that when we get born again, that God, that right, that Jesus comes, makes his home in us. We have a new nature, but we also receive the mind of Christ that until someone is born again, they will not have a sound mind. So, you know, we, we sit back, right? And we turn on the TV and we go, why are people so crazy? Are these people idiots? 
They don't have a, they don't literally have a sound mind, guys. They they don't they don't have the ability to go, okay, what what's illogical, what's unfounded, and what's absurd. They're just responding to their emotions. Is that true? So all right, so when we think about this, we have the mind of Christ. All right, so what's the mind of Christ? Not to get long-winded in this, this is really short, but Jesus knew he was a son, and he didn't worry about all those things that we find ourselves worrying about. True? He knew he was secure. He knew he was safe in the Father's hand. He knew that even the fact that, guess what, going to the cross, all that, he, he knew. And the hell and how what God was with him. Yes? Yes. So, listen, because, how, how come he knew that? Because he had his mind, he was thinking correctly. He was thinking correct. So when we get all caught up in fear and we start letting fear motivate us and we've all done it, I've done it. God knows too many times at the end of the day, if we stop and we're honest with ourselves, our thinking was not correct. True. All right. So let me give you a few things and we're going to land this thing. We're going to go home and we're going to root against the Carolina Panthers. So isn't it bad to have a, isn't it bad to have a Super Bowl that you just don't care about either team? Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. All right. All right. Back on track. Here we go. All right. So listen, because we have the mind of Christ, we have the ability to overcome fear. Okay. We have the ability to overcome fear because we have the mind of Christ. Let me show you how. Let me give you three reasons. First one is this, is we have the ability to cast down vain imaginations. We have the ability to cast down vain imaginations. It says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Please write these down. Go read them later, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, right? Though we walk in the flesh, we're here. It says, we do not war according to the flesh. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Okay? Strongholds are basically what? Strongholds happen in the mind. So that's what it's talking about. Okay? So verse 5 says, Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So powerful. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I only want to point out one thing. There's a lot of things I would like to point out, but for time's sake... Where it says, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience. The word obedience there literally means under submission. It also means to be into agreement. So when there's a thought that comes to me, once again, because I have the mind of Christ, because I have a sound mind, I have the ability to literally cast down or throw down, rebuke, however you want to word it, the thoughts that are not under submission or come into agreement with God's word. Amen. So so I don't have to sit there and just let the devil have a heyday with me and just pound me, pound me, pound me, pound me, pound me, because he will unless you take your ground. Right. There's certain things that God has once again, that God is giving you the authority to handle. OK, you, you, you can't listen and whatever. You can't go. God, take these thoughts from me. He gave you authority. He gave you his word. So you have to do it. Amen. Number two, so the first one was casting down. Second one is setting our minds on things above. Y'all, please hear me with this. Setting our mind on things above. Let me even say this. I think there's, if you are living and breathing in this room, you realize that our nation needs God. Okay? It does. 
And, you know, so we're, we're all up on elections and all this, and people have their own opinions and all that, and that's fine. I'm not getting into that. This isn't the place for that. But whoever's the president, okay, the next one, I realize they can have their influence and all that, but God is still on the throne. Yes? Now, listen, as a Christian, it is my responsibility and my duty to pray so that hopefully we won't end up in a mess. Right? But people in this nation still have a free will and a free choice to vote how they choose. Correct? Yes. So, but at the end of the day, my, my prayers can change things. So don't limit yourself in that. I, I love what it said, kind of going back real fast. It says, um, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't feel real strong here. I don't have a voice in Washington, but I do have a voice in heaven. Okay? So, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. I can pray and expect things to change. Yes? So, you know, this mindset that just says, well, what will be will be, that's garbage. That's not in the Bible. Okay? So, right here, so setting our things on mind above. Okay? So, once again, we can look at our nation. We can look at, we can even look at ISIS and all the things because the media has such a great way to put people in fear. The media is great at stirring up strife, stirring up, you know, even look at the past few years. And I'm not trying to get on soapbox because I'm definitely not a political person. But, but it's understanding the schemes of the enemy. If a, if a black man would have beat a black man, it wouldn't have made news. If a white kid would have got killed, it wouldn't have made news. Let's get honest. But they have a way because they're being motivated by a spirit to stir up strife and anxiety and fear in the nation. And we can't be people that respond to that. Yes? It's not a racial thing. It's a demonic thing. Yes? So, all right. So setting our, thing, setting our mind on things above. Okay? In other words, we have a choice when all this comes to us. Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says this. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says... If then you were raised with Christ, were you raised with Christ? Yes. Okay. It says, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Well, that's good enough for me. Yes, right there he's saying, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Paul also writes in another place, it's not, it's not in Scripture, but it says this. It says, those who think upon fleshy things, it, it, it leads to death. But those who think in spiritual things, it leads to life. So if you're constantly thinking of things in this realm, in this world, you're going to have death all over you. It may not be physical, but it's going to be death to your thinking, right? And you're going to be death to your dreams, death to your call, however you want to do it. But when you begin to think of things above, you think of things that are in the spirit, then guess what? God breathes his life into that. Amen? So watch this. Here's an example of things that we need to think about. And I would just encourage all of us to go, the stuff that I think, does it fit this scripture? Watch this. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Well, we done, we done defeated half the argument right there, right? Because when the enemy comes, guess what? Listen, listen, guys. He is the father of lies. He does not, does not, does not, does not have the ability to tell the truth completely. So when he comes and he talks his smack, because he does, guess what? At the end of the day, I'm not going to think about that because I know it's not True. Okay. So it says, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What is meditate? It means continually think about and 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 think some more. 
That's what it means, that we should, we should basically know what God says, and our minds should be fixed on that, and we run that through. Now, watch this. While I'm, while I'm reading this, I thought this hopped out at me, okay? So we'll just share it. Whatever things are of good report. Somebody say good report. I believe it's Numbers 13. Believe. All right. But Numbers 13, Moses comes and he goes to all the tribes and he says, hey, give me your leaders. We have 12 leaders. Right. And he says, go into the land that basically God is giving us. So 12 guys go and he says, look, it's going to be filled with milk and honey. Obviously, he's talking about the cluster grapes, all these things. Right. And they go in there. Right. They go in there and they say, man, we found it just like God said. But the problem was, is the Amalekites were there. And I and I, it's so interesting, the word that it says that. So they obviously come back and get ahead of myself. They come back and two guys it's mainly one. Caleb says, let's go. We are more than able. In other words, God's with us. We know we can take it. And 10 of the guys are shaking in their boots and they speak doubt. And the Bible says that they give an evil report. All right. And so the whole nation listens to these 10 men. Right. Yes. And two guys are, you know, Joshua's kind of just sitting there being quiet. Caleb's the one being the loud mouth saying, let's go. Let's go. I punch somebody in the mouth. Right. He's a man. Right. So 80 years old, he got his mountain. So it worked. Right. So. So anyways, but it says this. It says that they said that in their sight, we were as grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. Right. The wild part is this is the Malachites never even saw them. Nobody said, hey, man, you look like a grasshopper. You little. Right. But they thought that about their own, their own selves because they didn't know how to think about what was true. This is what God said. Are, are you all following me today? So, listen, we have a choice just like those guys. Watch. If you, if you don't think that your thinking is important, those people, because they didn't know how to believe a good report that came from the Lord, they stopped a generation dead in their tracks. I don't want to stop my kids. Are you following me? Because of my inability to overcome fear and to believe a good report. Amen. So watch this last part. Okay. Verse nine. Philippians four, eight through nine. It says this verse nine says the things is Paul talking. The things which you learned and received and heard. And I love this part. And saw. Notice that that you learned from me, you received from me. In other words, Man, I just didn't believe it. I told you this. Not only did I tell you this, but you saw it in me. You know, because there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than people. And we've all done it that talk a big game, but their life don't match it. Right. But Paul is here saying, look, you've heard me talk a big game, but you've also heard me live it or seen me live it in front of you. And then I love this last part. It says this. It says all that that you learned, received, heard and saw these do. And the God of peace will be with you. How many, he, no, he's saying, just follow my example, and man, the God of peace will be with you just like he is with me. That's why he could go in there in Nero's, in Nero's uh, prison and say, you know what, God? Whatever's going to happen, we're going to glorify you. Because he wasn't afraid. He understood. What does he say? He goes, my, man, my race is done. Right? But here's the, here's the thought that I want to throw out at you here. I've never met a person. Let me say this. I've never met a fearful person that was at peace. I've never met a fearful person that was at peace. Is that true? The reason is because fear, once again, robs you of that. Faith brings that. Faith brings peace. Right? Once again, because we know who God is. Let me show you this verse. I kind of prayed it earlier. 
But it says in Isaiah 26, 3, powerful verse, Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. For you King James people, stayed on thee. Yes? I love this. That's why I always hear it. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Simple truth. Fix your mind on God, you'll be in peace. Fix your mind on things that are of this world, you will not have peace. That's simple, right? So, you know, even we read there, Philippians 4, 8, and 9. What's the verse right before that? It says this in verse 6 and 8. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things present your requests unto God. And it says, uh, basically, I think I might have messed it with Thanksgiving. It says, and it says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't, it, you know, there's things that we come, we go, okay, God, here's what's going on in me. It's okay. God, I'm having this thought. But if you bring it to God, guess what? He'll come, he'll speak to you, and he'll give you who he is and an answer, and then you can walk in peace. Amen? All right. Number three. Here we go, and i got to get done. I've already went longer than I attended. That happens every week, though. All right, here we go. So, number three. Here we go. Jen told me last night, oh, it's going to go longer than you think. She knows. Number three. Here we go. There you go. Appreciate you coming back. I'm just glad we don't live in a town that's got a whole bunch of buffets and stuff like that, you know? (laughs) Works out well. All right. There we go. Number three. So, the first one was what? How we overcome it, cast down to vain, vain imaginations. Number two, setting our minds on things above. Number three, we've got to remember who is with us. This is, I really want to, if you almost don't get anything today, get this. Okay? John sixteen thirteen says this. It's Jesus talking. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak And he will tell or he will show you things to come. Here's the reason I'm reading this. The word show there in the Greek language actually means this. Please get this. It means a guide who shows a traveler the safest course through an unknown country. Isn't that awesome? Once again, let's go back. A guide who shows a traveler the safest course through an unknown country. Once again, going back to the top. Where do our fears come from? That which is unknown. And here it is. Jesus is saying, guys, I know you don't know. I mean, take a minute and just stop and realize who he's writing this to. He, he, you know, or who he's telling this to. He's telling the disciples. These were the people that were about to. He was going to the cross. He was going to resurrect. But he was going to entrust them with this gospel that, guess what, that they were going to get persecuted and killed for and all these things. And he said, guess what, guys, I know you're probably afraid and you don't know what in the world. But guess what? You're not going alone. Yes? The Holy Spirit will guide you. He'll show you what to do. So what's this for us? This means as our guide, the Holy Spirit knows the way we should go. And let me even stretch it and say this to you. He even knows the relationships that we need to have. Yes, because every relationship that comes is not from him. Yes. So listen, I don't know about you, but if you have a family like me, I call and they're negative Nancy. They're Debbie Downers. There, there is nothing positive that comes out of their mouth. Guess what? I don't call them often. Because you know what? It's so, it's so opposed to the Spirit of God that lives inside of me. I can't make room for all of that. I don't want to make room for all of that. I don't need to know, you know, 
uh, who, whoever in the family or whatever down the street that they're doing this and this and that. Are, are y'all following me? So, so even when it comes to people in my own Christian walk, say it's not people that are, what now, 2,500 miles from us or whatever, okay? But, but people that are around us, I just don't hang out with people that are negative all the time. You know why? Because they're not operating in the same spirit I want to operate in. Are y'all following me? Okay. So he understands, once again, the Holy Spirit, he knows the way we should go. He understands how to avoid every trap and obstacle along the way. That's why it's so important to have a relationship with him and to listen to him. So when we're going into an area that we've never been before, guess what? He wants to show us how to take the safest route to our future point, future destination. Are you all following me today? Yes. So, all right. So let me let me just say, here's the point, okay? When you and I sit back and we remember that the Holy Spirit is our personal tour guide in life. He's our personal, okay? Because he lives in us, right? He's our personal tour guide. Now, guess what? That should cause fear to disappear. It should. Okay? It should give us the courage to face the unknown. Now, understand that we're all going to have our emotions and all that stuff, okay? It's no different than... You know, I've been preaching for almost 20 years now, and I still get nervous every time before I go preach. I know that's a good thing because it makes me depend on God, but I sure do get tired of that feeling. But there's something about when you step into a moment with God and the anointing comes. Let's go, God. That's so great. But that's how he is in life. Can't tell you how many situations I'm going, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do there. Counseling appointment comes. God, I don't know what I'm going to tell those people. I know me. Right. I know me. But the good thing is I know him and I just pray in time after time after time. I can't tell you how many situations where you know, I just open that mouth and he fills it and, and, and he moves and he does the same thing for all of us. Amen. Once again, he's not a God of partiality. Amen. All right. So let me close with a promise. OK, this is God's word. Hopefully you find the scripture encouraging. Um, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, but it's uh, Joshua one nine. OK, Joshua one nine. It says this. Let me actually let me preface it before we get here, because it talks about basically Moses is dead. But he says this and I just kind of take it. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. OK, probably both. All right. But but he says this. He that God speaks to Joshua and he says this. He says, as I was with Moses, show I will be. So I will be with you as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I take that for me. That's, that's a promise to me. I understand you're probably talking to Joshua, but God, I'm, I'm going to get on the, uh, the rebound of that, right? And I'm going to take that for myself. God, that as you were with Moses, so you will be with me. And I tell him then the prayer closet, God, I thank you. You said I receive it. Amen. So watch this in verse 9. God speaking to Joshua, and I think he's speaking to us. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, to not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How amazing is that? That God is saying to us, I am with you wherever you go. We can't get away from him, folks. He's in us. Amen? Yes? I, I, love, I love the part, because there's, there's some evangelists in the room, Okay? I love the part in that chapter that it says, every place that the sole of your feet touch, I've given you. That literally, we take ground for the king. So when you go to school, you take ground for the king. 
When you go to Bath, you take room, right? Take ground for the king. Wherever we go, it's yours. You know, we got some, we got some people to cut hairs in here. Cut hairs. Hair. <laughs> there may be a few people that only have a few hairs. All right, so anyways. You cut in hair, Holy Ghost, touch them. Take authority right now. Father, I thank you for moving on this person. Your blessings, your power, your life. You have that, right? Don't be afraid. No, listen, we, listen, listen, listen. I've heard since I've been here, you know, ministries go to Maine to die. I've heard pastors say that. My response in my head, you believe that lie. I'm not going to. God didn't call us here to fail. Are you following me? So listen, so with us, we can't be afraid to open our mouths for Jesus. We can't. Guess what? Once again, he, li- listen, listen. I know I'm kind of tweaking this going around another way, but it's all right. These people need Jesus, y'all. Right? They, if you can, stop for a second and go, quit worrying about if you're going to offend somebody and just think about where you were at before you met him. That's the way they feel right now. They may not know it. They may think you're crazy and, you know, you, you, you fell off your rocker and you lost your mind and all that. But you know what you, you know what you know. You know whom you believe, right? And so have confidence that when you open your mouth, guess what? You're not, you're not opening your mouth on your own authority and your own power. Guess what? When you speak, he's coming with you, right? And he, once again, we sang it earlier, but, but you know, one of the things I pray a lot is, you know, we see in the gospel, you know, Thomas is sitting there. You know, Thomas, Doubting Thomas, right, is what they, they labeled him as. And he said, look, the only way I'll believe is if I can put my hands in those holes. Right? And what did Jesus do? He walked through that wall. Right? He still, I still pray, God, you still have the ability to walk through walls. Come do it. Amen? Kind of ending in a different spot than what I planned to, but that's all right. Listen, if you can, just lift your hands. Father, we just say today, God, that we are not people that are ashamed of you. Father, we are unashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to those who believe. So, Father, we thank you, God, that we are a people who are not literally uh, driven, led by fear. But, God, we're people who are led by faith in your word and who you are. So, Father, thank you because you dwell within us. And, God, we, we utter those same scriptures that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Father, we thank you, God, that when we go before you, uh, let me say, when we go, you go before us. Father, thank you that we have called us to be ambassadors of the gospel. And, Father, we thank you that we don't go in our own, own authority, our own might, our own power, but literally all of heaven backs us up. And so, Father, we just prayed that no longer would we be afraid. The enemy has silenced the lambs too long. And so, Father, we pray today, God, that we would not be ashamed, but we would be uh, just bold for you. And that doesn't mean we've got to be loud and scream and holler. It just means we need to be confident in who you are. And so, Father, thank you for a holy boldness rising up within us. Father, I thank you that you have commanded us to, have, uh, to not be afraid, to be people of courage, to be strong, Lord. Let us be strong in the Spirit. Let us be strong, God. Let us act like heaven, which is the strength, God, that is backing us up. We don't have a weak, puny heaven backing us up. We've got a strong heaven. So, Father, thank you, God, that that kingdom is inside of us. And, Father, thank you that you have given us authority with whatever our influence is, God, to use it for the glory of your gospel. 
So, Father, we thank you today that you have given us the mind of Christ, that we do think your thoughts, that we do have the ability to cast down every thought and every vain imagination. Father, we do have the ability to understand who's with us, that we do have the ability, God, to uh, set our things, set our mind that our things are above. So, Father, help us to do that. And, Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you would show us, even me, God, the areas that we haven't been thinking above. But, God, we've been thinking beneath. Father, we don't want to think beneath. We want to think above. So, Lord, if it's not true and noble and pure, praiseworthy, all those things that you said in Philippians, God, reveal it to us because we want to be people of peace. We don't, you know, listen, guys, it's, it's very hard to bring peace when you don't live in it. God, we want to bring peace, God, to this city and this region. But, Lord, we've got to be at peace first. So, Father, thank you for the peace of God ruling and reigning in us. Thank you for your peace guarding our hearts and guarding our minds. God, so we can do your work and to be a light for your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Well, I'm done.